proudest day, and the proudest time, and the, the seat of a relic here. Because that day, and that hour, and those minutes, I got the butt between my teeth. You know, I really stood up and was counted and said, this is not getting away. I remember when we pulled on our helmets, and, and, and Donald says to me, what are we doing? I said, we're going for gold, Barrett. That's all we said. I can still picture that run. That was just the best, best run ever. Welcome along to Crunching Gears, the Rally Podcast, Season 2, Episode 39. I suppose before we start, we'd like to pass on our deepest condolences to the friends and family of Rosemary Smith. I think she had an amazing life and what an ambassador for rallying, not even just females in rallying, but just rallying in general. Like she was a beacon, you know, right from the early days of rallying in Ireland. Oh, Kevin, look, she was just amazing. An absolute ambassador for the sport, represented Ireland on the world stage and uh, just an incredible lady. And, and you know, uh, what she's done for Irish rallying, but also encouraging women to get involved in the sport as well. For sure, for sure. You know, right up to the last couple of years, she was, you know, she has met up with, you know, Aoife Raftery, Sarah McFadden, you know, Grace O'Brien, all those, you know, and encouraging them to get involved. And like she was doing stuff back in the, you know, the 60s, the 70s, that, you know, it was just groundbreaking at the time. And But she couldn't see why she couldn't do it if a man can do it, she could do it. And like she was getting top results right across the world. She was, you know, and, and she faced discrimination because of her sex, um, you know, in the sport and, and, you know, fought against it, overcame it and, uh, you know, certainly didn't lie down quietly. Um, just amazing, you know, what she's done in rallying. And then, you know, not too many years ago, she, she competed or didn't compete, sorry, but she tested in a Formula One car like in her 80s. Just incredible. Ah, yeah. What a lady. What a lady. Like, so, Rosemary, rest in peace. And as well, like uh, last week, you know, with our recording times and one thing and another, we missed out on the announcement of the, the Billy Coleman Award one or two, Connor. Brilliant to see, you know, Jack getting that award. Like, that's uh, going to propel him onto the next level. But not only him, you know, all those people are nominated this year. This this is life changing. Oh, it is. Like the, the support MI Academy, you know, so provides him. And I know we, we, you know, most weeks we have something to say and it's all positive because the work it's groundbreaking what they're doing um but it, all all the nominees for the billy coleman award they're all now going to be supported by the academy the, you know and we've seen you know previous winners come on leaps and bounds and and where they've gone to and what they've been able to achieve with the support of the academy and i suppose the boost that this gives them for sure, for sure. And like uh, Keelan Grogan and Craig Raffle, you know, the funny, you know, they were in the the mix for the overall award as well, too. Like this is going to change their trajectory of where they're going to go in the sport as well. Absolutely, it is. And again, you know, gives them something to aim for next year as well. You, you know, the, they've had a taste of what's involved. They you, they've seen what you know you need to do to 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 win the 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 prize and uh, certainly it's something that they can aim for again you know next year that's for sure that's for sure and another very proud thing that happened at the weekend just passed there uh william Crichton and liam regan and bacow picking up the fia jwrc title like you know we look at that awards and you know we we dream we see you know the cream of the world rally and the f1 champion world rally champions world rally cars on the stage and there was our two guys there in the middle of it all Absolutely. Listen, it was great to see Motorsport Ireland represented and, and you know, Liam and uh, William rubbing shoulders with Thierry Neuville and what do you call it? Max Verstappen and, and many others, you know, from the world of motorsport. I suppose it's incredible to to think, you know, our guys were there. Yeah. And, like, you know, not only there, but, they, you know, William spoke so well. You know, he is a real ambassador for the sport here in Ireland. We have been speaking to him now for the last two years now in the, the podcast and the way he has developed he has become a real you know a, a real like look at that guy there that's what you want to emulate that you know this is what can be achieved 
He is. He, he's a role model. He definitely is a role model in the sport, you know, for, for the, you know, if you, if you think of the youngsters coming through the J1000s now and, and those that will be new to the sport next year, um, you know, it, it's something, somebody to emulate here and, and aim for, you know, where, where Will has gotten to. And he's still only at the start of his rallying career. There, you know, there's many years ahead of him. That's for sure. That, that's for sure. And like, you know, I suppose, like, you know, uh, what do we say? Like, you know, the World Championship, there's a possibility of coming back and we could hear these rumours the same as everybody else. And we thought, you know, who better to ask than, you know, MA, you know, Motorsport Ireland Rally President, Aidan Harper. And that's, you know, we'll hear from him and get his thoughts on where we're at with that whole thing. Oh, look, it's an exciting story. Um, Everybody's got fingers, toes and, and legs crossed, hoping it gets over the line. Looks like we're pretty close. Um, so l- let's hope all the, all the ducks are in a row and, and it's something that does happen. That's for sure. That's for sure. You know, they have it narrowed down now to three areas that the, the rally, rally will be based out of. And they, that's going to be announced in the next couple of weeks, hopefully as well, too. So that looks very positive. And also, I suppose, in this show, we also catch up with them is uh, Jimmy McMillan from M Sport. He gives us a kind of a wrap up on where, how he's seen felt the years went for himself and M Sport. And then finally, Aoife Rastri has been telling us about her latest adventures as well. She's been away in Spain and doing events out there and all too. So her career is progressing at a rapid speed as well too. But I think, first of all, we'll hear, hear from Aidan Harper. Aidan Harper, we're hearing great things about the WRC returning to Ireland in the near future. But we're hearing a lot of stories, a lot of rumours. So we thought we'd get you on to sort of maybe put a wee bit of bones to what we're hearing. Um, what can we say? 2025, is there something happening possibly well kevin um hopefully yeah something will happen in 2025 look i don't think it's any secret now at this stage that we are uh, well advanced in our bid for a return of the wrc championship to ireland um you know 2007 2009 was our last rounds uh and uh you know we we haven't been in that space for a long time and uh it was my feeling as president that we needed to get back into the wrc space so we opened negotiations um some time back uh and we're in a positive position now uh for a return hopefully in 2025. excellent excellent and like we've seen last week you announced three areas that's under consideration for like the, the main hub i suppose maybe be, be the way i put it uh so like things are progressing yeah, I mean, the the heartbeat of any WRC, as anybody will know, is the service park and uh, the location of that service park. So we were very transparent from the start with all of our clubs. All, all of the clubs were written to um, to come forward with uh, areas that they could identify uh, within their within their within their counties, uh, etc., of where the service park uh, could be based. The, the minimum criteria was 10,000 square meters of solid footing. Um, unfortunately, some clubs didn't meet that at all because the the area just wasn't there. Um, other clubs did, uh, and then we went into a fa- a, fa- a series of knockout uh, rounds where clubs were met, criteria was ticked off against, etc. Um, and now we're down to to three areas really that have been identified as very good uh, possible service parks for WRC twenty twenty five. Excellent. And like that, you know, it's so exciting to hear, you know, such positive vibes coming out. And like, you know, like the WRC now has become such a big machine. Like it probably takes that on more ground to hold it. Like it's not that you can't, you know, you know, Sligo IT is ideal back in 07, 09, but the whole thing has progressed since then. Absolutely. It, it, it's turned into a, an incredible machine, as, as you say. Anyone who's visited a WRC park, um, lately in the last year will realize how big uh, of an operation that park is because then adjacent to the park you've got the media center so not only have you 10,000 square meters of solid ground for the teams to 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 set up and that becomes their home for up to 12 days so we're looking for a an area of ground for at least two weeks uh, because obviously all the ancillary services have to be brought in uh, facilities water electricity etc um, but then we have a, a, a media center to build, a media center to hold up to 200 um, media people who will come from all over the world. And that will be their home um, for at least 10 days of, of the event. So you've got the service park, you've got the media center, and you also have a medical center. 
So when you put all of that together into a melting pot, um, it, it's a large piece of ground uh, that, that needs to be available. Um, and, 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 and that piece of ground um, would come hopefully with the dwellings and the buildings around it that would house those items I just spoke about. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like, you know, we, we look at, you know, the WRC Live and the, the way that has helped to develop the WRC as well. And like, you can only but imagine like helicopter views of, you know, wherever that area will be. We all know how beautiful Ireland is. To get it shown off to a global audience in this way, like it has to help your job to sell this to government or whatever then. Look, look, absolutely, Kevin. I mean, one of the main items of WRC is, um, I suppose, the, the live TV piece. Um, and they're looking for very scenic backgrounds. They're looking for coastal stages. They're looking for stages with with large mountains and and areas of beauty. And look, we can provide that all over Ireland. There's there's no doubt about about it. We are the Emerald Isle. We have the ancient East. We have the Wild Atlantic Way. So we have all these items. Um, a lot of other um sports showcase these areas. Um, but none more so than what WRC can do. Um, we're all aware of the, the the live the live stages, the helicopter images of the cars traveling adjacent to uh, the coastlines uh, with the, with the WRC cars live on stages, uh, and that alone and what it can bring it it brings me back to Sligo, uh, WRC and Sligo and Mullock Moor and those incredible scenes from the WRC helicopter as the cars made their way along the stage in Mullock Moor uh, with Ben Bulbin as a backdrop as well. Incredible scenes uh, for people all around the world. Um, there, there's no uh, doubt that the WRC promoter wants to return to Ireland. The teams want to return to Ireland. They really enjoyed themselves when they were here. And for an asphalt around, this is where they want to come. Yeah, because, you know, we, we think back to 07 and 09 and, uh, you know, the event was being voted as one of, you know, the best organised, you know, the most, you know, the, the most enjoyable events and all too. Like, so, and as you said earlier, we have the capability of running this year. Like, we, we're no longer, you know, the, the, the also runs. We are leading the way. Well, 100% we're leading the way. And, and look, it's important, wherever the event goes um, and wherever, whoever ends up hosting the service park, um, it will. This is a, this is an all Ireland approach. This is uh, all motor clubs to come on board to help, and 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 everyone we've met so far as part of the elimination rounds. Everybody is aware of that. Everybody knows whether it goes to the east coast, the west coast, the south coast, wherever it goes, that it will take a whole country uh, to come on board to deliver this. This isn't something can be delivered by one or two motor clubs. This is an amalgamation of all our great strengths here in Ireland. And we have some incredible great strengths in the country. Um, but once we get ourselves anchored, once we know where it's going, we will then be able to start uh, putting the uh, putting the, the jigsaw together with, with all the other logistics that, that goes on around it. Yeah, you know, like you just said that like there, there's so many great people involved in the Irish rallying and to have them all, you know, thrown in together in the one melting pot, you can only imagine the, the fantastic results that they're going to produce. Absolutely. Um, the knowledge is is, is, is absolutely incredible. Um, and we have, we have so much tradition and knowledge here in this country. It, it, it's unreal. One thing we will have to do is um, we will have to host a candidate um, stage of a WRC um, before we're actually allowed have a full WRC. So mm -hmm. some event somewhere in Ireland in 2024, should we be successful for our 2025 bid, we will have to run a stage as per the WRC requirements. So that's probably a 28 kilometre stage set up fully to WRC standards. FIA will send in uh, an observer to ensure that we have uh, that we will run it to that standard and then that we're capable of running all 18, 20 or 22 stages, whatever comes out in 2025, should we, should we be successful. But some event somewhere um, will be asked to run one of those stages, um, which will be challenging, but will also be uh, a, a great, um, I suppose, insight to, to really to WRC for a lot of clubs and organisations who really don't know much about it. So that will be exciting for some clubs somewhere during the year. That's for sure. That's for sure. Because we've seen uh, uh, recently, like uh, Killarney running the night stage, you know, and like we've seen, you know, there's a whole lot more work involved in that there. But you know, the club was prepared to do that in the hard yards, and I think it really paid off in spades for them. It did. Killarney Historic was an incredible event running the night stage. Um, you know, speaking to people who watched the cars going through, uh, it, it was, it was, it was 
historic for them, really. Um, incredible moments, um, amazing photographs that were taken as well. And then the thrill for the drivers who take place. Uh, you know, the reward after their whole day's rallying was going into the night stage, putting on the light pods, coming out of the final services and he heading into that stage. Um, incredible excitement and um, a great, great spectacle. Uh, I was talking to a couple of tourists who happened to be in Killarney that weekend who didn't know anything about the rally being on and they said that they had uh, got a taxi out uh, to watch the night stage because they knew no other way to get out and they said they'd never seen anything like it in their lives uh, it was just incredible to see these light beams coming down the road, the roars of the engines uh, and, and the excitement of the spectators So, uh, and they were people who never intended to even go near a rally or didn't even know the rally was on in Killarney at the weekend. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're getting comments like that from people, you, you you know the standard that we're running to here. For sure, for sure. And like, you know, that also takes me back to like 07, 09 again. Like there was people out following the rally Ireland at that time that hadn't maybe went to a rally, you know, since the 80s or maybe never been before at all. And like, this is what this could bring to Ireland again is, you know, people who maybe aren't familiar with what's going on week in, week out getting out there and getting the chance to experience what we're getting, getting the chance to experience every two or three weeks. Absolutely, Kevin. And, you know, my vision for, for Rally Ireland 25, 6 and 7 is that we will bring, I would like to bring the final stage each day, be it a, a kilometre or a 1.5 stage, into uh, a festival village, as the case may be. So wherever we are finishing our day up on over the three days, that that the nearest village to that will turn into a, a rally festival village. Um, you know, and we will give back to the community what the community are giving us in help. Um, and I have that stage, that last sprint stage, um, each evening running very, very close with local communities. Uh, and can you imagine what spectacle that will be to bring, you know, 10,000 people to a small village uh, to watch this? Uh, can you imagine the, the, the excitement in the village, uh, the buy-in from the people uh, and, and bringing life back to certain areas of the country that, that there may not have been life in for years? So, you know, there, there's lots of new thinking around this WRC. Uh, and, and we certainly have a sketch pad where we're giving a certain amount of creativity when it comes to planning. Um, we look back to Stormont when it ran there. We look at the, the iconic bridge and the crossover. So we're already looking at where we will put that uh, incredible spectator stage, uh, the head-to-head -head stage where that will take place. Um, and with all the new thinking that's out there and all the available available areas, uh, I think it's going to be extremely exciting. For sure. For you. You're even putting the hairs up in my arm. Even thinking and like, even, I'm thinking like Donegal Town, 09. Like, you know, there's still clips of that goes around the internet, like Chris Meek and the Metro, like Lobe sliding past the Abbey Hotel. Like those are iconic moments to this day. And like, you know, your plans will hopefully create new iconic moments going forward. Yeah, I mean, I suppose when you look back to those those Donegal Town and various things like that, um, did people really know what WRC was back then? You know, there was rally cars coming into a town. Now, a lot of people knows what WRC is, uh, certainly more than than, than was back then. So I, I can only imagine the influx of, of, of spectators from abroad. Um, and, and as the promoter has said to us, you know, we, we, we're just a hop over from the UK who's only a hop over from Europe. So it makes us so accessible so accessible for people to come into the country and also with our road infrastructures now within our country it makes every corner of this country accessible so wherever the service park lands and wherever the stages should be chosen then coming out of that service park be they 50 100 150 200 kilometers away um you know they're they're all going to be quite accessible um and, and i'm sure that there will be huge crowds yeah, for sure. You know, like that's just, you know, you're thinking like Ryanair has made Ireland so open right across Europe. The motorway system here, like sure, three, four hours, you can almost go from, you know, the middle of the country to either end, you know, so like the world is your oyster. Absolutely. And, and so many airports and ports for the teams to come in, because that's another part of it as well. When the teams are looking and, and the teams have a large say into where the WRCs go again. But again, they look at Ireland, um, Dublin Airport, Shannon Airport, Knock Airport, Cork Airport, everything very accessible. Uh, private jets to, to land in, in, in Waterford Airport, ports then of Cork, ports of Dublin, um, you know, Limerick Port, etc. All of these very making the whole country very accessible to us i mean there's nowhere any more than three hours three and a half hours at a push uh, to, to get to anywhere so uh, accessibility is a key factor for the teams and for the promoter and we have that yeah for sure for sure and then i suppose moving on slightly like you know 
Uh, the MIU Rally Academy has really put the spotlight on, you know, all the good coming out of the country at the moment. And like that, I'm imagining that, that has helped to sell, you know, the the idea of bringing the World Championship back as well, because this is world leading what we're providing. It is. Um, we're only one of, of two ASNs around the world that are actually uh, providing an academy. Um, and when you go to a service park, you go to one of the service parks now and you see, uh, for anyone who has seen the, the Motorsport Ireland Rally Academy uh, service barge, it, within within the main frame, because uh, there's different frames within the service park, the academy has now got a footprint within the main frame. Um, and, and, and that's because the promoter, the WRC promoter, has seen what the ASN, what Motorsport Ireland, what John Coyne, etc., has been doing for Motorsport in Ireland, what's been doing for young drivers. And and has elevated uh, the, the academy into the main frame. I mean, you take um, Monte Carlo WRC last year. As you walked your way down the service park, you had Hyundai, you had Ford, and lo and behold, you had the Motorsport Ireland Ready Academy next to them. You know, um, you go to other service parks, and it's and it's the very same. And when I travel to other ASNs, uh, when I visit other presidents in other countries, they're talking about our. Rally Academy. They're talking about the success of it. Uh, you know, the French ran a Rally Academy many, many years ago and has been quite successful. And we are more successful now than them. Um, and the name Motorsport Ireland uh, is a renowned name within any service park uh, or within uh, certainly a lot of spectators who are around Europe and who are following rallies at the moment. You know, like how good does that make you feel to walk through somewhere like Monte Carlo and see, you know, Motorsport Ireland flag flying front and centre? It makes me extremely proud. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I, I'm proud for the academy. I'm proud for Motorsport Ireland. I'm proud for everything that we do. You, you're walking down the paddock, and there are the flags flying high. There's the banners um, at the front of the of the of the, the MI service barge uh, with Motorsport Ireland. There's the cars yeah. with the livery going round with with Motorsport Ireland on it. You know, yeah. it's it, it's extremely proud. Um, and again, all of this, you know, really down as well to John Coyne and what he has put in to, to, the, to, to the Rally Academy, his commitment. And as he says, he is on a mission to find the next uh, WRC winner within the next 10 years. Uh, that, that's where John wants, what, what wants his guys and girls to be. So uh, and I believe that that will happen as well, especially with, with, with the upcoming stars that we have at the moment. For sure, you know, because there's such a, a depth of talent. And the other thing is, like, this is filtering right down through, like, you know, the co-drivers that's going to the academy, then some of the drivers, they're going competing, you know, in the, the Tarmac Championship or the national rounds, and they're bringing what they've learned right down through. Like, this isn't just like, for the elite, this is going to filter right down through to grassroots. Absolutely, down to grassroots. I mean, you know, you look, you look at the J1000s, um, you look at all those young boys and girls who were coming up through. You look at the recent winner of the Billy Coleman Award. Um, you know, it's all grassroots material um, and it's a stepping stone. Uh, this is putting people on the stage uh, and we want to put them on the world stage. It's great to be on the stage at home, you know, doing the iconic rallies here. But there's nothing any better than, than going abroad and doing uh, rallies uh, around Europe. Um, but this is a major stepping stone for them. Yeah, like you know, the Junior One Thousand is the you know the, the ideal thing. Like Wall Crichton, only ten years ago, you know, started out in the Junior One Thousand. This year, world champion. Like the the you know the 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 step ladders there for the people who want to put in the work and the dedication for it. Absolutely, if you want to do it, you will get there, uh, and the guys certainly have showed that. Um, and uh, obviously other people as well. But William and Liam have had an incredible year, uh, winning uh, JWRC. Um, I'm only back from Baku, where the uh, FIA General Assembly uh, took place, where all presidents from around the world uh, join uh, for a couple of days uh, of, of think tanking um, and also in relation to voting on, on, on certain elements for, for next year. And then that culminates then in the prize giving um, on the Friday night and Saturday uh, for the various items. So on Saturday, we had um, the rally and circuit prize giving uh, and it was an extremely proud moment to see William and Liam walk up onto the stage to receive their FIA uh, awards. Uh, absolutely very proud moment for me, but an extremely proud moment for their um, uh, for William's mom and dad as well, uh, who have put so much into William uh, to get him to where he is today. Uh, and those are the dreams that we live for. Those are the, the, you know, the times when we see them lifting the accolades high 
the smiles on their faces and and being interviewed on on a world stage it's it's very very powerful for sure and like not only great drivers but great lads as well you know the, the personality they have as well like they are like for, for young people they are a real credit to not only their families but us as a sport as well they are they're ambassadors for us uh, to be honest with you um a lot of the training that they go through in the academy you know helps them with uh, self delivery um uh, communication skills etc and and you can see that you can see people coming through the academy, uh, academy and maturing in that way uh, but th- these guys are ambassadors and we've got great girls coming up as well we've Eva Rafferty you know making our way up uh, through the tree at the moment incredible ambassadors for our sport here uh, and some people we should be very proud of for sure, for sure. And, like, you know, as much as we have to celebrate all the good news, there's been some, ba- you know, like bad news this year as well, too, and there's been some disappointment. And like, I suppose at this time of the year, it's always difficult, and I suppose we have to remember those as well. We do, of course. I mean, we've had we've had four Motorsport Ireland licence holders who tragically have lost their lives while doing something that they completely love. Um, it's been a very tough year for Motorsport Ireland um, and for the rally discipline in general. Um, but as 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 a as a as a motorsport family, we rallied around ourselves, um, and and we're strong when we do that, and we're there to support each other when times are tough, um, you know, n- no one can say that these four people, um, who who lost their lives through our sport, um, lost it in a way doing something that they didn't like. They actually they they absolutely loved, uh, w- w- what they did, um, and it was just so tragic in our sport this year. We've had some years of. Of, of 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 no fatalities whatsoever uh, and now we've had a spate of them in one year so hoping 2024 will be a better year for everybody all around uh, but we will never forget the great people who we've lost this year within our sport um, and I suppose not only competitors we've lost incredible icons within our sport um, I'm not going to name anyone in particular but everybody will know who we're talking about mm-hmm. because the list is so long but this year has been a really tough year uh, for motorsport, um, for competitors and officials, organisers, uh, and, and long-term stalwarts of the sport. That's for sure. That's for sure. But you mentioned something there. The, the, you know the way the rally family, the way they pull together, the way that you know they conduct themselves around any of these events and all them too. Like that's an absolute credit to all involved. Absolutely. Um, some of the the the, the plans and organisational items that went in place around the family supports. The organising of of the various funerals, etc., the logistics, um, you, you, it was all time scheduled. It was it was people working so hard into the the late nights and early mornings, ensuring that there was firm footing for people to walk on, that there was parking provided, um, close to family houses. All of those things were all done by by the rally family. Uh, and again, when we are down, we are very very strong together. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And like I suppose, like the. If a, if a positive can come out of this, Craig's family want the, his involvement with the Junior 1000 to continue as well too. And like, what a lovely way to, to mark his legacy. Uh, absolutely. The, the foundation has just been launched, um, which is an incredible way to, 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 to launch his legacy. Um, and, and we, we look forward to some great news to come out of that in the near future. And also Craig has been enrolled as well um, on the Motorsport Ireland Hall of Fame, which happened at our award ceremony um, just, just a week ago now. And that, that was a very proud moment for me as the president to induct Craig into the Hall of Fame and to have Craig's sister, Kelly, join me on stage and unveil the actual Hall of Play, uh, Fame plaque, uh, which, which, which will be displayed in Dawson Street. Um, there was an air of, I suppose, sadness, but excitement uh, at, at that moment, as as we all remembered the great Craig Breen, um, but his name now lives on and will live on in the hollow halls of 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 Motorsport Ireland in in Dawson Street, um, and and last Wednesday was was really powerful. Um, Craig's family were there, uh, his friends and 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 uh, very very close friends. So um, a, a great day, but a great way to uh, ensure that Craig's name lives on in all that we do. For sure, for sure, you know, and like you know, I suppose we have to look forward to twenty twenty four, and like in general, rallying in Ireland's in a good place, you know. Like we're looking at you know the Tarmac Championship, you know the the overall battle has just gone unbelievably tight now. Like we've often said, you can't you know like miss a gear, run wide at a corner, 
you could lose a rally. The, the the historic championship is just going from strength to strength, and the you know the the national rounds it, with the rotational system in place now they're oversubscribed entries. So like, a lot of positives out there at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of positives for next year. I hear a lot of new cars uh, being invested in right now uh, and over the next couple of weeks, uh, get, getting ready for, for the start next year. Rallying is strong. Entries are very, very strong. We, we can see the reserve lists now are building and building uh, event on event. Uh, certainly the two-year calendar um, has helped. It's helped give organizers, officials, competitors and suppliers arrest as well, rather than being out every weekend or out every second weekend or third weekend now as the case may be. Uh, but rallying is strong and, and a lot of our disciplines are strong. Um, Motorsport Ireland uh, is in a strong place at the moment as we head into 2024. Um, and, and, and I look forward to a really a strong year in, in, in there. Um, look forward to receiving news of a successful uh, bid being completed for WRC. Uh, and we'll certainly celebrate when 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 that day comes. Um, but then the hard work begins uh, <laughs> to, uh, to 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 deliver it uh, and to ensure we deliver to the best of our abilities uh, in 2025. Because we're going for a three-year deal for for WRC 25, 26, and 27. So securing that for three years uh, will be an incredible feat for the country, uh, because as I say, it's the country that will run it. Um, and 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 really looking forward uh, for when we receive that news from the government. For sure, you know, and like as you said earlier, like it's, this is not one person that will make this happen. This is every you know every guy that wants to get behind the wheel of a rally car. Guys that get behind the wheel, you know, ladies that go out and marshal or do time controls or whatever. It'll be everybody will be involved. Everybody will make this happen. Absolutely, there'll be a call for all support in all areas. Um, the, the management team that will run the event. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll then assign the various tasks to everybody. And, you know, we, we, we have a great lead in time. We're looking at August stroke September 2025. So we, we still have, you know, 20 months of planning, uh, et cetera, to deliver the event. So um, it will be all hands on deck. And I'm very positive that we will deliver it. And again, all of this is caveated by uh, us receiving the funding from, from the government. Um, we hope to make our decision, uh, final decision on where the event will go in the uh, in the next 10, 10 days. Uh, there are site visits now planned for next week to the three areas uh, to go through the final ticks bo ticks box items, and then we will we'll be able to announce where it will actually go. So thanks, there to the president of Motorsport Ireland, Eden Harper, there for taking the time to join us. It was an absolute pleasure. And you know, what can we say? You know. Fingers crossed in the whole WRC thing and all that too, and how positive the whole rally is looking as well too. But Connor, speaking of WRC, uh, you got a chance to chat, catch up with Jamie McMillan from Emsport. Yeah, look, Jamie's been touching base with us throughout the year, keeping us updated on what's happening with Emsport and how the Puma was developing, and and I suppose Itanics, um challenge for the for the WRC drivers' title this year, which. Um, you know, didn't come to pass for them. Um, so we thought it was a good chance end of the year once Japan was over, get Jamie to to wrap it up and and uh, fill us in on on I suppose where they're at, where the Puma's at now, and I suppose what the plans are going forward, not just for M Sport for but for Jamie himself. Jamie, thanks for joining us. You've been very good all year, you know, keeping us up to date with what's been going on. So I thought perfect opportunity. We're at the end of the 2023 WRC season. Chance to ask you. How was the year? Um, I guess in one word you could probably call it mixed. Um, I think it certainly had it had its moments that were were very challenging and tricky um, and, and testing. But then there were certainly elements of the season that were really really positive, and the whole team were were very happy with with certain achievements. But ultimately, it was it was um, a season that didn't quite go as far as we we would have liked in terms of fighting for the championship and, and fighting for victories on on more more events um but yeah i think it was it was still nice to see throughout the season that that the puma has got got pace and um in you know pretty much every event um and it was just a matter of everything falling into place which ultimately this season it didn't and i think quite a lot of that was also down to certain um you know small factors that ended up being a much bigger uh, challenge and, and and dropping big chunks of points where you really can't do that if you want to put a, a championship challenge together, especially whenever um, you know it was right at the sharp end throughout the season and maybe 
Pierre-Louis would have been at the sharp end on certain events, but um, when you've got that one car that, that you're really pushing to fight for the championship, everything has to be right on that car for the whole season for it to work. You know, um, I think the other guys, there's a little bit less, well, I can't say less pressure, but whenever you're running with two or three cars at the, at the front on every event, um, you know, maybe one car can have a bit of a, a struggle, but they're still going to be putting podiums or or wins together with, with their other drivers on, in the lineup. So, um, you know, we fell file that a little bit this year, but ultimately, yeah, the, the reliability stuff was the things that um, maybe let us down, certainly in that middle part of the season. But still, um, I think we were able to show, you know, a reasonably small team fighting at the sharp end and, and putting a couple of victories on there. And um, yeah, having a, having a decent challenge, you know, still we were leading the championship, you know, after the first few events, which, which was nice. Um, and yeah, just still frustrating not to be able to get get more more wins and and more um, good days in in twenty twenty three. But yeah, things will things will move on and move forward into the new season as they always do. Yeah, I, like I suppose it is very hard to mount a challenge for for a championship with with two drivers, and I suppose. Pierre Louis still, you know, he's still learning. He's not there fully yet, uh, so you know he's he's not able to take points always off the, you know, Tanex rivals, and also you know, when you don't have that third car, you're not taking points there, or you or you're not, you know, getting up the to take other podiums, etc. As well to to help the the lead driver. So I suppose that is tough. And and you mentioned, you know, you had the couple of wins. You had Sweden. You had Chile. Two very contrasting environments for the for the Puma to win in, and two tough environments as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's funny how it proved itself in the really harsh conditions. Yeah, exactly, and um, you know, even on, on tarmac events as well, we proved the car was the car was quick there too. So, um, you know, with one with one stages on every surface, and um, I think it's yeah, it's just a matter. Of little things happened at the wrong times as well. So, you know, maybe we'd have an issue on a Friday afternoon, which would then affect our road position on a Saturday. And then, you know, you're struggling for the whole weekend. Whereas, you know, if maybe a, a small issue had happened on a Saturday afternoon when you'd already built maybe maybe a lead or you already had a good road position sorted for the, for the next day. You know, you're not in that, that position where it's really crucial and pivotal moments that end up um, costing you big chunks of time, you know, further down the line. So, um yeah, you know, it's as as you say, with without the sort of um, a, a whole plethora of, of drivers pushing at the front, which you know we're we're not in a position to to have, and and that's not you know going to change either overnight. You know, it's difficult to um, to put together the the full package and and to fight for those fight for those championships. I also think that it's something maybe he wouldn't set himself but um ultimately having somebody in the car who's also um pushing him on and, and beating him in stages you know whenever they're both fighting um side by side you know that also takes um it takes any competitor um to to another level too so um yeah that's that's all it's all part of it but um yeah it's it's easy to say all these things with with hindsight and uh, and looking back in the season and um i think if a few key key timings had a, had a changed a little bit through, through the season, then we might have been looking at it very, very differently. And, you know, you mentioned those couple of highs there, Sweden and Chile and, and you know, uh, other solid results. on on on. But then when things don't go to plan or, or don't work out, you know, how do you suppose keep everybody around you motivated? Um, to be honest, I think certainly the first half of the year, we were always, you know, fully motivated. And well, to be honest, through the whole season, I, I can't fault anybody in the team's motivation at all, you know, and that that certainly goes to, to Oi as well. You know, it goes right up to the very top level and right down to every mechanic. No no question. I, but I probably used the wrong word, maybe not motivation, but more morale. <laughs> it's those keeping the morale up. Yeah. What it meant. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. And I think when when it's there in black and white, I think up until the midway midpoint of the season, um, we were still doing better points wise than it had been the previous season or or in, you know, many previous seasons up to that point. So, you know, we were always keeping tallies of where, where we were at compared to previous years. And even after a few bad results, we could still see how, you know, one or two good results and very quickly the tide would turn and we would still be able to to fight right at the um right at the sharp end. And uh yeah. So every you know every event you're constantly sort of waiting for that that good moment and that big um, big points haul and maybe a few of the other guys to to fall and then you're right back in the mix and um, 
I think that was it's natural and, and easy for that to to come and, and to be motivated by that. I think it didn't take too much um too much effort for any of the guys. You know, ultimately we're all in, in the business of, of motorsport and we're all here for a reason because we are competitive and we're constantly, you know, looking at checking the points and seeing what's what's going on with everybody else and where are we compared with the the other guys. So um yeah, I, I certainly didn't find it difficult to be to be motivated and then mm. Unfortunately, once you realise that the the title challenge is a little bit of you know too far of too far of a stretch, then you start focusing on just winning individual events and and trying to get back in the top step of the podium, and you just shift your focus a little bit from um you know maybe in those positions in in Chile or or um, Central Europe you'd have settled for something a little bit less, but whenever you know that you're not ultimately going to win the championship, you can take a few more risks. You know, ultimately like the Actually, like the tire choice in, in Chile, we had we had nothing to lose either. Um, you know, so you can you can be a little bit more comfortable taking risks whenever you don't have a, a championship to sort of hanging over you to, to make sure you can't drop points in those situations. So yeah, the, the focus just shifts a little bit, and then you you're motivated on a on an event by event basis, and it's still still winning an event at this level is is no mean feat. So um, you know, you just have to. Um, constantly try and gather the trips up and and um make sure everybody's pushing in the same direction and it's a constant development and constant um push from from people personally you know personal development as well and trying to keep yourself um fighting right at the at the sharp end no matter you know never letting your standards drop and i think that's you know it's the same for everybody i'm support from from mechanics to the to the engineers to the you know admin PR media top top level management. I think that's just how you have to how you have to take it, and I think we did that right throughout the season. And when you were at that stage where it was more a, an event by event basis, and you you know doing everything to win those rallies, uh, um, is the focus fully on that, or do you start thinking of next year? Do you, are you looking at trying settings, setups, diff, you know, trying different things, even with a view to developing the car for next year? There are elements of that, yes, but I think in this specific instance, whenever it came out reasonably early that Oit was not going to be with us next next season, then um, for him and for our partnership, it was very much you know trying to get wins in the board um, because he knew you know he's he's already developed the car to suit his style quite a lot throughout the year, um, and you know we have pushed very hard for that to get him a car that was more suited to how he wanted to drive but um ultimately that was a little bit different or quite a lot different to how it was um driven with the guys last year certainly the settings on the car so there was no guarantees that if we were trying to um you know keep keep changing things to find something that worked for him at this late stage that it would necessarily carry forward or, or develop you know in the right direction for next year either so um you know it was very much about making do with what what the car was towards the back end of the year for for you know as as good as possible for him and yeah trying to put um some good results on the board and in that situation where the car has moved towards him and we, we would have heard you know similar stories coming out about you know the Hyundai's more towards Thierry etc when you then in the situation I where, where it's going or has gone and you're going to have a new cruise coming in do you dial the car back or do you start with where I left it and the new crews adapt or change it? It's a good question. And it's a little bit of a combination of, of both of those things. So some, some things that we've homologated throughout this season, um, you know, we made sure that we weren't um, eliminating a setup from what we can achieve. Um, so, you know, with all our options, we can still go back you know very closely maybe not exactly but you know we're we're very close to where we could have been last season so um that was always in our mind whenever we were doing the, the development steps that um we weren't going to just completely leave out everything that we learned in 2022 and in the development season by the side and, and fully um develop it and go down a path that maybe wouldn't suit every driver so um we still have those setups in our in our back pocket let's say that we can use moving forward um and I think you take it a little bit on a on an event by event basis. I think certain events, um, you can put a car that we know was quick in Oit's setup onto the car and say, look, this is what we think is the fastest option. Oit's been able to prove that, and then you let the driver try and feel get a feel for that. 
Um, but you need to be prepared at some point if it's not comfortable that you go back and you have another, let's say, a B setup or a previous setup that's worked for them in the past or that we know was a little bit um, maybe of a wider window to, to put in and, and try. Um, and yeah, I think every event will be will be a little bit different. And there's some elements that Oich worked on throughout the season with us that we know are purely performance improvements and will work for everybody. Um, but then, yeah, there's other elements that are definitely driver preference or are very dependent on driver style. Um, like how different is the car from this time last year? Um, lots of lots of little changes, I guess. I think a lot of stuff was was always specific. You know, even just in terms of what's you know interior wise, it can all be very easily swapped back. That isn't um, you know big fundamental changes. Um, but I would say, okay, it's also tricky because you've got a gravel setup, a tarmac setup, and potentially a snow setup. So um, ultimately, nothing in terms of the setup stuff that we can play with. I would say nothing is bolt on the exact same as it was you know previously so what we probably call our our base setup on on tarmac gravel and on a snow event all of those will have changed 100 to, to sit out um none of them then bolt on setups could just be bolted on now and i would say that it was his, his best setup for the puma um that's definitely not the case you know they've, and they've changed to, to varying degrees some some quite a lot you know with various different geometry options definitely are differential ramps are now a different set of um homologation um in there too so uh yeah all, all the little things have, have changed you know dampers have been constantly developing and, and evolving throughout the season as well and all of those surfaces so um yeah i think that you know the car from where it was 12 months ago and um, certainly specifically for oit is mm. is you know a good step better than um good step better now to just to him um and ultimately I guess we'll see who's who's driving next year and, and how um what the landscape is like and we'll see then maybe if what what setups people people take and whether it is um you know if we go back a step I say back a step if we go back to previous setups and, and they work for other drivers then uh you know we have to be prepared to do that. And what do you call it? A Central European rally was a new round of the championship. How challenging was that? Because you know you're in three different countries, three different types of asphalts. You know what were the difficulties there by getting the car set up and getting it right for each day of the event? Yeah, it, it was very tricky, um, and the conditions obviously added another another element to it as well. So um, I think you have a base tarmac setup, but you have to constantly be be prepared to change it and to tweak it. And um, conditions played probably a bigger factor than. The, the different tarmac surfaces in that event um but you, that could be very different in in 12 months time if it's bone dry then you need to um have slightly different setups for for each of the three days um i think the stage character changed quite a bit as well and um i think the event that was good it was it was interesting to, to do that and to to see how that can work and how different um organizations can work together to put to put an event on like that um, obviously I think it's been sort of well publicized that there needs to be certain questions raised about how you can um, make it a little bit more compact and try mm. and um, shorten the day a little bit as well to make it more suitable for, for everyone you know teams and drivers uh, you know and trying to keep it as, as safe as possible as well without doing crazy long days and long hours and then working on cars it can be a little bit um, questionable at times but um, yeah obviously it's been done in the past and that's how people sort of look back on it and say you can you know they, they could do it then you can do it now and yeah that's there's there's there an element of that and, and bringing back the long days a long rally and it's, it's interesting in, in small um in, in certain scenarios but i think we also need to be careful about making sure that it's done in a, in a safe manner too um so yeah i think with some 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 tweaks and um you know some changes to the format it could be an even better an even better event but yeah listen it was it was still well organized and um i think it did put on a put on a good show and what do you call it japan was final round of, of the championship and so and i suppose one issue that we saw arise for the, the rally one cars was the fogging or the misting of the windscreens due to the i think it was the exhaust because it ran through the cockpit or into the cockpit um, yeah, yeah, was that something that was just unforeseen, or and is there a fix? 
to be honest, um, if you had asked me beforehand, I, I thought the, the Puma was actually pretty good uh, on that. I think the other cars have struggled more than us. Um, you know, to be honest, we've got quite a good setup and it's tended to work quite well and, 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 you know, very bad scenarios, you know, even uh, I, I think there's been at least five, six, seven events in the last 18 months where we've had really bad conditions on, on stages and um, some of the other guys have struggled and we've always been, been pretty much okay. But um, yeah, obviously that wasn't the case in Japan. And I think ultimately the issue was simply water getting into the car. But that, that if if there wasn't water in the cockpit, then it probably would have been, um, you know, completely manageable. So, um, yeah, that that's the long and short of it. Water, water managed to get in one way or another, um, and that's what ended up causing ended up causing the issue. So, um, yeah, if we managed to prevent water from getting in, then we shouldn't have the issue in the future. <laughs> about as, as simple as that. We can do we can do certain things to, to improve it um, anyway from, you know, an engineering side, but ultimately if you've got a load of water in there and, you know, the hot exhaust and all the rest of it, then you're always going to, you're always going to struggle. So um, yeah, we, we need to just be on top of it and make sure that that's not a possibility in the future. Yeah. And, what do you call it? I, I suppose it's a bit like sometimes you know you see it's like it's only when there's a deep water splash suddenly there's an issue turns up with, with wipers or something that you know it always seems to be unforeseen but causes havoc. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I wouldn't possibly put mention any names here, but there are also certain crews who maybe wouldn't have you know the heated screen or the blur on full whack at the right times to make sure that it clears quickly. But you know this instance in Japan, absolutely no no fault can be put down to any of the crews in, in that instance. So, um, yeah, they, they did everything they could. And um, ultimately, yeah, it, it wasn't enough in this instance. So, yeah, we, we learned from it and try and make some improvements for, for the future. And looking forward to, to next year from a, you know, a service crew point of view, there, there's talk of making changes to the tyre fitting zones, etc., to maybe allow some sort of work to, to undertake there. What's your, what's your thoughts or views on that? Um, mixed, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think you can do it, no problem. Um, but we went to central service areas for, for a reason as well, um, to try and, yeah, have everything in one place rather than carting, you know, big chunks of the car all around the all around the countryside and then also trying to get it back in time for an even service. I think there's lots of logistical difficulties and question marks there that need to be um, you know, raised and, and answered first, first and foremost. Um but yeah, I think, you know, if if that's what it takes to bring rallying a little bit more to the people as such and, and maybe something, you know, certainly adds an element of, you know, people being out in the stages can then go and see the the tire fitting zone and then still make it back for, for the second pass of the stages, then Ultimately, that's that's got to be a positive. Um, but you know, is is that one change gonna gonna fix the issue that that rally rallying's facing mm. at the minute in terms of you know drumming up publicity and and um, making it more more interesting and more exciting? You know, I'm not sure that that single change is necessarily going to fix it. But um, for sure, there's some interesting ideas and some smart people thinking of things in the background to try and um, keep keep moving things forward and try and try and improve the spectacle a little bit as well. And again, look, you know that that's it's all well and good for a well-resourced team to do that, but again, for the likes yeah. of yourselves, you're on a on a on a very tight budget. That's only adding to costs, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, it's it's a small team, and if you have certain people up there, and they have to wait for for the rally two cars to finish their tire fitting zone, for example, and then suddenly they're only back, potentially not even before the the evening services start on on the rally one cars, and you know, trying to get even trying to get tires up to the tire fitting zone is a logistical challenge in its own never mind if you're going to start bringing transmissions or um you know big you know some of the bigger spare parts so yeah I, i'm sure that'll all be questions that are that are raised and answered and um you know ultimately if it's if it's improving the um the experience for for the fans and and we can do it in in a reasonable manner without uh, causing too much um hassle or extra cost then you know it, it can definitely be a positive and again looking forward to next year Titanic isn't the only one 
moving on from M Sport to Hyundai. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there there are a few. Um, <laughs> so Seb Scott, I assume you're referring to there, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, yeah, Seb is uh, one of our media guys who's, who's moving on, and yeah, I will also be um, joining out and uh, at Hyundai next year. So um, still finalising some of the some of the details, but yeah, it's going to be a bit of a a change of scenery and. Um, Let's yeah. Let's see what happens. Well, congratulations, Jamie. Well deserved, and uh, hopefully you'll be uh, be allowed by Hyundai to come on every now and again and keep us up to date with twenty twenty four. Yeah, I hope so too. Huge thanks to Jamie. Jamie's been so good all year, touching base with us, keeping us up to date with what's happening with you know how the M Sport Puma has been developing throughout the year, how the challenge has gone with 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 Tanak and. Uh, and it's great news for Jamie, you know, that he is staying, that relationship staying with Oit, um as as they both move to Hyundai for next year. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, be able to keep in touch with Jamie and he'll be able to keep us up to date with what's happening as well. Um, speaking of keeping us up to date, we had a chance to catch up with Ad and a chance to catch up with Aoife Raftery. Um, she's had a very busy year. She's got a lot of rallies under her belt this year in very many countries and I thought it was a good opportunity before the end of the year just to see how the year has gone for Aoife so far and you know any hint yet of, of what's coming up for next year. Aoife thanks for joining us it's a while since we had you on so we thought coming up to Christmas perfect opportunity to catch up with you to see how your year has been. Hi Gunnar thanks thanks for having me on it's been a been a while but it's great to be back and yeah it's been a fantastic year so it has. Yeah, you've certainly been busy this year. I mean, if I look down, you know, competing at home, obviously, both forestry and tarmac events, but you've been to Latvia, Poland, Sweden, you've done some BRC rounds in the UK, you've competed in the Czech Republic, and most recently in Spain. So you really have packed a lot in this year. Yeah, look, we have, we tried to get experience in all surfaces and in lots of different places. Um, And it was great to be able to compete at home here in Ireland. And then also we did the Junior European Championship. So with the combination of those championships, um, we really got to experience a lot and kind of build on our on our knowledge this year. And and I suppose what was this year about? Was it just kind of getting, you know, exposure to, to lots of different events and, and different, I suppose, surfaces and, and, and you know, uh, uh, locations uh, or was what else was behind this year? Was it was it just, you know, building that experience really across the board? Yeah, it was a combination of everything. It was to, to get to build experience to improve. Um, when you go to the European events, the level of competition there is so is so high that it really brings you on, and you see how the teams out there competing and their approach. Um, it's just the combination of rallying here in Ireland and competing out there. It was just it was to build on you know on our foundation and keep growing and trying to improve. Um, but it's been it's been a fantastic year, and obviously the last couple of weekends we were out in Spain and we did a gravel rally out there in a tarmac rally, which is nice to kind of be able to do that at this time of year because things are starting to quieten down. But you know we have so each rally we go to we have a we have an aim and a focus to to try and achieve something out of it. Um, and those Spanish rallies that we really were trying to just work on techniques that we can carry into next year and improve. And you had two fairly solid results as well. I think you were 23rd overall in, in the gravel event and then you got 14th overall in the tarmac event. Yeah, yeah. it's um, They were good, good results. And again, out there is the same as any any class now. I think in the Rally 4s is always um, a good level of competition and that class is up to a high standard. So we were really happy with the results and I think things are starting to come, come together. Um, the gravel rally, we had a... I really liked the gravel, obviously, and it was nice to do that. Like we, I didn't expect the surface out there to be so kind of rocky and bedrocky, but again, that was something new. Um, and then the tarmac, obviously, that style of tear and the grip was so different to every country that we've been to yet again. So it's always you're always learning something new at them. And. What do you call it? You, you've also had a combination of, of different cars this year. You've been the Fiesta R2, you've been the Fiesta Rally 4, and then the, the 208 Rally 4 as well, and a change of co-drivers throughout the year. So, you know, high, I suppose with, with having that amount of, of change and variety, you know, do, do, does that help you? Or does it kind of happen to hit restart each time when you get into a new car, you get in, in with a new co-driver? 
I think you can probably look at it both ways. The fact that, you know, each co-driver you have, you learn something from each of them that you can always take with you to another rally. Um, but obviously then it's also, you know, good to be able to keep consistent and build a relationship with someone. Um, so obviously that's something that, you know, you try and get, but as is the way it is, it's also good to be able to learn from each of them and and take what they have to say because um, you always learn something from each of them. Um, and then with the cars, I think, yeah, the Fiesta or two, I was driving that last year and for a lot um, for a lot of this year, especially in Ireland, most of the rallies we did was in that car. Um, I think that car is, it's a brilliant car for like what it is and the, you know, it's a great car to start out in or moving up from the J1000s. Really good car. It handles really well once you get to know it and you can really carry the speed in it. So that car I, I really love. Um, and then, yeah, so we had the Peugeot 28 Rally 4 in the European events. Um, that's been, you know, every time you get in that, it's so fun to drive. Um, a really enjoyable car and it's, you know, it's where the class is at now and it's, yeah, you know, to be competing, you have to be in one of the rally fours for for those events. But it's um, no, it's been it's really good. Um, compared to the Fiesta Rally Four, we only did one event in the Fiesta Rally Four, um, and that was on gravel. I think again, the Fiesta it handles really well, especially I think they're really suited to the gravel. So it was nice to just kind of do a one-off event in it and see how we got on it. But no, they they hand they're just they've improved and come on so well that. They're amazing cars. And with regard to benchmarking yourself, how are you doing that? I suppose if you're going to different competitions or different championships and you're, you're competing against different drivers in, in that, you know, maybe it's not consistently the same drivers. How are you benchmarking yourself then? Yeah, look, every rally and every stage, you're bench, you're, you know, you have the splits um, of seconds per kilometre, how far off you are from the leader. Um, both of the rally and the leader of your class, just to give you an idea of where you where you stand. Um, I think that's really important so that when you go into, when you carry on into other rallies, you can see an improvement and you know that there's progress being made. And outside of, outside of the car, you um, had the opportunity to, to go on the radio this year as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Newstock invited me on. So that was, that was a wonderful experience too. Um, something different. Um, yeah, it was really nice and it was great to be able to kind of share my story and, and rallying to probably an audience that wouldn't so often hear about rallying. So it was it was really good and um, I'd definitely do it again. Yeah. And then I would say, unfortunately, what do you call it? In, 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 in the last few weeks there, Rosemary Smith passed away and, you know, a leading light for, for, for you know, encouraging female athletes to, to come in as, as drivers or co-drivers into the sport. I suppose what's your, what's your views or your thoughts on, on, on how that, that continues? I think uh, Rosemary did a really good job of trying to, you know, she was someone that, especially girls, we could look up to in motorsport and rallying. And, you know, she had set an example that many of us would like to follow in. And I think she did a fantastic job. But I think there's the opportunity there for more girls to to get involved and uh, to compete in the sport. I think it's, you know, it's if if the interest is there, whether it's in driving or co-driving or organizing that, you know, it's if you want it, that it's it's there. Um I think that there could, there's always going to be more. I think in, in the next few years, we're going to see more initiatives for girls to get involved. But I do think that um, it's a great time to try and get involved. Um, and, you know, with the Motorsport Ireland Rally Academy, you know, there are, everyone's trying to make a push in rallying, whether you're a boy or a girl. But there's just, you know, the work that they're doing behind the scenes. And, you know, everyone can see it now that it's there's fantastic opportunities out there for people that are coming into the sport. Um, and especially when you see the J1000 class, how big it's gotten, it's unbelievable. And it's it's so good to see that that's there. Yeah, it, it certainly is taking off. It, it, it's fantastic. There there was a photo from one of your recent events. Um, you'd just come over the ceremonial start and it was you, you could clearly see yourself and Hannah in the car. And there was some little girls, you know, standing by the side of the road, I think, with a, with a, with a parent or a guardian pointing and waving. And it really typified that if you can see it, you can be it. Yeah, yeah, the photo, that was a brilliant photo. Um, it's amazing. I think when you go to the rallies as well out in Europe, you see a lot more, a lot more fans, but you see a lot more females involved in the sport. Like from when you go to the rallies, let's say in Spain, the amount of female co-drivers, there's, there's such a higher number out there. And I don't know what the reason for is, but mm. there is a lot higher volume of females um, at the events. 
and it's great to see the little girls when you come over the ramp it's it's special too yeah no it's very good and and hopefully look it all helps and it all keeps building the momentum into encouraging more females to take part yeah definitely look if if they if there's representation there hopefully that they can see they can also do it yeah and you know i suppose coming to the close of the year now like what's been the highlight for you what what's been the most memorable event or occasion during the year uh, it's hard to say. This has been it's been a special year. Like every every rally, there's been something to it. Um, unbelievable. I think the European Championship was some a really good challenge. So tough. Um, I'd probably put it down to maybe Barham, Czech Republic. Just the atmosphere. Um, the people. It was incredible. Um, we had a fight in the rally. So like you know, oh, sorry, fight for like um, trying to get back and uh, get a good result. But I think that's the whole rally there was, it's the people that supported there was incredible. The amount that are into the sport there and just, it made it. And I suppose over Christmas, you don't really get to, to, to switch off completely. I suppose it's still watching the nutrition, the fitness, keeping up with the MI Academy, etc. Yeah, yeah. So we're working there with uh, Dermot in the Motorsport Ireland Rally Academy. Um, over the Christmas so it's nice to have that structure now and it's a bit more easier to follow it when you're not going to rallies every weekend or every second weekend um, so it's a lot easier to follow the plan and it's the time of year that we can really work on this stuff. So thanks very much there to Aoife, the uh, pleasure as always and you know a bit like Rosemary Smith there's a girl going places there so uh, no doubt you know she'll do us proud next year as well. Um, I suppose what we should be saying now at this stage is that coming near the end of the season um, this will be the, the last episode as such, but no doubt will be a, a few Christmas uh, treats coming up for you today over the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to wrap up the season now at this stage, but hopefully Conor will have a few wee specials coming up over the Christmas period. Absolutely. There's a few things we're working on at the moment. And uh, yep, absolutely. There's a bit of entertainment between that break between Christmas and New Year. We'll, we'll certainly have a few specials. That's for sure. That's for sure. You know, and look, we're looking forward to 2024 already. We're always, you know, thinking and plotting, trying to get come up with new directions to take the podcast and new wee avenues to go down and all too. So really hope you've enjoyed everything this year. And we'd like to take a chance now to thank everybody, just the listeners, the guests, uh, Connor, yourself for all your help as well throughout the year. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, what can we say? It's been been a bit mad. It's been a bit overwhelming, but it's been it's been pretty special as well at the same time, hasn't it? Ah, look, it's been fantastic. It, it's such an enjoyable thing to do. You know, it, it's we both love the sport. Um, this whilst it can be busy and and take up a few nights, it it's the cracks worth it and it's enjoyable to to just keep looking for something new to bring for people to listen to whether it's new stories or catching up on old stories um certainly i've enjoyed doing it and chatting to people and chatting to my heroes and uh yeah, you know long may it continue yeah like you know as great as it was you know getting telling get, getting up to tell these stories it's getting up for us to hear the stories as well too i think it's the big part of it as well you know like so once again, just thanks to everybody, the listeners, to all the guests, and all greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you in 2024. But just please like, share, rate, subscribe, all those things. You keep doing it. Just keep doing what you're doing. Greatly appreciate it. And until the next time, take care, speak soon, and bye.